Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to give us a follow on all of our social medias, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're on everything. And go subscribe to us on YouTube. Smitty's been getting the real game up and the shorts game up. That way we can help grow those platforms. And as always, we are going to keep pushing the Isla Keen Fund. Um, as all the listeners know, tragically, Dalton Keene passed away back in October, who um, I knew and Smitty was a friend of, but he left behind a two-year-old daughter. But there's a way to help out the financial burden of that moving forward. And we've been linking it in the description of all our shows since then and in the description of the YouTube video as well. We're going to continue to do so, but it will help alleviate some of that financial burden that comes with uh, Isla's future as well. And then um, I don't know if you saw the video that the Bills put out of the DeMar Hamlin talking. Um, And I, I thought that was really touching. It was really awesome to see him kind of talk about that what happened and uh, his, his emotions of the whole thing. Um, but since the bills put that out, um, we, I forgot to do so last week, but I'll continue to put the uh, chase and M's fundraiser as well in the description. And I'll put the mm-hmm. shirt from Pittsburgh clothing company, um, the hometown hero shirt. And there's the pit and the bills version. I prefer the pit version to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, I'll just continue to put those in the descriptions of the shows. Um, but other than that, that's all the news I have. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned this last week, but finally on Saturday, um, I'm gonna be able to go. Actually, I can, there there is a new piece of information with this too. We're finally going to see the fire trucks on Saturday. Uh, me, Isla, and Kaylee, but Savannah Dalton's sister is also coming with her one and a half year old. So we got a whole crew going to see the fire trucks now on Saturday. So uh, that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, I guess we can kind of just jump into the sports. Uh, oh, I do want to say too, Tyler wasn't a part of it. I know he's going to want to be a part of this stuff going forward, but I wanted to just put something out there and see where things are right now because I know this stuff is going to change, especially with like Senior Bowl going on this week, which by the way, very sad that I'm at least not there. I know I, I feel like you enjoyed going too when you had gone in the past. Oh, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and Shrine Bowl also going on. So these rankings are going to change a little bit, but I definitely wanted to get out a couple mock drafts prior. So I did a mock draft, uh, every team, just the first round on my personal channel. And then I did a Steelers seven round mock draft on this channel, um, which I, don't, I, I saw it got like 200 views so far, which, you know, for us, that's great. As many people, and I got one comment so far and they said, great job. So hopefully that stays the only comment, <laughs> positive feedback. Um but yeah, we can jump into it. We're going to talk about some Steelers to kick off because nothing with the Pirates to talk about. That literally the last piece of news that we've gotten was McCutcheon's deal becoming official, and we talked about that last week. So Steelers related. Um, speaking of people talking, Art Rooney had his you know yearly end of season uh, availability. He did like a sit down with Missy Matthews and uh, was talking about some things with the team. Talked a lot about Kenny and and the growth that they saw there. And uh, that would be an interesting thing to talk about in the next topic. But I wanted to talk about, too, like just the quarterback room in general was brought up. And Mitch Trubisky, he said there's no reason to expect that he wouldn't be on the team next year. He's under contract. Um, Does that surprise you? You know, I guess like from the Steelers standpoint of him being back, like we know that maybe Mitch doesn't want to come back. So that could change the situation. But in terms of Art Rooney himself coming out and saying this, like, with AR2 saying it, does that make you feel any differently that Mitch Trubisky is going to be on the roster next season? Um, No, honestly, because I feel like that's just kind of like a PR answer from him. Um, Like, what is he supposed to say in, in that situation? Like, is he just say, oh, no, we, we plan on either cutting him or moving on from him somehow. 
Like, I just feel like that would be kind of an awkward thing to put out there just uh, for face value of it. But mm-hmm. so, so from that standpoint, I don't think that is surprising. But if he is genuine about that, to me, that is surprising because for, for what seems to be your backup quarterback for the foreseeable future, um, I mean, his cap hit next year is going to be $10 million and $625,000. Kenny Pickett's cap hit next year is going to be $3.1 million. Um, and I just don't see how you can have a $7 million like increase in your backup from your starter. Um, so, and yeah. I just don't think that mathematically makes sense. I don't think that financially makes sense for the team. So I, I would say, like, I would question Art Rooney the second, like, why would you want to keep Mitch around when I feel like you could probably get, I mean, granted, we don't know. We didn't see Mason Rudolph whatsoever, but like personally, and we talked about this last week, I would rather keep him around if you're going to keep around one of the backups that are currently on the team. And you could probably get him definitely for that cheaper value than the 10.6 million. Otherwise, Mr. Trubisky, he's going to be a heavy cap load just to be sitting the bench, hopefully for the entire season, just for the sake of Kenny Pickett's health. So I, I don't think that it is something that on the surface level, I don't think it's a big deal that he said that. Cause I think it's really just a PR answer. Like what else is he supposed to say? But at the same time, if he's genuine about that, I'd be really questioning the why, because it doesn't make sense to me to have a $7 million increase from your starter to your backup. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know off the top of my head, but the, as far as that goes, there, there has to be a case of that happening before, right? Because like, I mean, a team that drafts a rookie and they're still making that rookie salary. And then they, like they signed a vet backup though, at some point, like, I, I feel like that Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Especially if there was a case back. Uh, no, actually I think it'd be more prevalent now because back before, like when, when and Sam Bradford, I think was the last one that was really able to like cash out in a ridiculous way at number one. And then they kind of started to cap what the guys could make at each pick, like those, those slot values, essentially yeah. not actually like the MLB draft slot values, but you know what I mean? Um, but um, yeah, I, I feel like that has probably happened in the past, but I definitely get what you're saying. I actually wouldn't mind Mitch being back necessarily, but not at that number. And that's that's kind of like with what he's saying, it doesn't seem like a realistic scenario to cut him and then resign him at a lower number. Like, I just yeah. don't think that that's a possibility. And I don't think from Mitch's perspective, he necessarily wants to come back and be the backup here. Just the way that he kind of talked about things like Brooke Pryor, uh, you know, ESPN put out that article about it. Like, he wishes he would have taken his time in free agency, really, like, saw what was out there instead of just jumping into a situation like he did in Pittsburgh. I mean, that kind of tells me there's some regret in signing here. So if he's able to get away from that situation, I think that that's probably the way that he would want to go. Um, I... I yeah, it's hard to envision that he will be back, um, especially just because like that's not that number by itself. When you combine those two numbers, what him and Kenny are making isn't necessarily a whole lot of money invested into the quarterback room. Um, but when you talk about needing to get rid of that somewhere, you know, to have the ability to spend elsewhere and improve the team in other areas. Why would you commit that much money to the back quarterback when you know there are? And I, I think Mitch is a pretty good backup, to be quite honest with you. Like I think he would be fine being the backup here again. Um, but you can get similar production, and hopefully, it's a guy that doesn't even have to play, like you said, and can we get a healthy season from Kenny for a lot less. So while it's not a whole lot of money in the grand scheme of things, it's money that could definitely be used elsewhere. 
Yeah, I like I said, the, the money thing is the only reason I have a problem with Mitch coming back. Otherwise, yeah. I don't care. I, he, he's a fine backup, and like I said, and it's nothing against him, but you should always hope that your backup never gets into the game. Um, but but at the same time, I just maybe I just week think, eighteen if everything's clinched, right? Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's just it just doesn't make sense to me why he like what they would try to restructure the restructure the contract and they could but i don't even know if mitch would want to do that like you were saying or if mitch still even wants to be here who knows maybe he i i don't know if if he would request a trade and then they would just cut him in in that scenario because uh, i don't know because the problem is i i feel like if he wants to go to a different team and the steelers would oblige that what are you really gonna like is a team really gonna give up any value for mitch trubisky at this point i mean maybe like a late like a, a late round pick but yeah. I, I don't think that you're going to get a lot of value out of a trade from him. I, I just, I keep going. I know that like every situation is different. It only takes one team. And also you kind of need that desperation. Like I think in the case of Josh Dobbs, like Jacksonville was desperate enough because they had just lost the quarterback and Nick Foles to make that trade. But man, if Josh Dobbs is netting you a fifth, like I have a hard time thinking they couldn't get at least a fifth for Trubisky if they were to trade him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I there's no way to like restructure you use the word restructure but I'm assuming you just you meant some way doing something with the money aspect of that being that he yeah. only has the one year left though really the only decisions are cut and then re-sign at a lower number or extend them and 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 neither of those to me seem like a feasible option so either he's back at the number that he's on right now or he's not going to be on the Steelers that's the way I'm looking at it I would bank on him not being on the Steelers then I just I can't imagine a world that they want to pay him 10.6 million dollars and I get like, and we were going to bring it up. The cap is going up sixty million dollars, but I, I still don't think you want to use up ten of that new sixteen million dollars on your quarterback, your backup yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's, let's that can be the transition point then with the salary cap going up sixteen million. We didn't know what exactly that was going to be. We expect to see it start ballooning. You know, the new deal with Amazon obviously coming in. Um, Sunday ticket going to YouTube. There's going to be a lot more revenue brought in, and I think we're going to see the salary cap continue to increase but keep in mind that that's literally for every single team so all these teams are going to benefit from this it's not like the Steelers suddenly have a 16 million dollar advantage on the rest of the league um like I jokingly put out oh that's Javon Hargrave money uh, yeah it, it is for every single team though too like yeah. Philly who has you know a, a ton of free agents maybe a couple of guys retiring from this going to the Super Bowl team at the very least um they're gonna they have a lot of guys to resign all of a sudden 16 million dollars that really helps out it's gonna help out every team though i think in the case of the steelers we can look look at it like what a huge bonus to be able to try to negotiate with cam sutton and terrell edmonds demonte kz the guys that you want to bring back um one of the few differences we had last week was larry ogan joby maybe this is you know op it opens the door for him to be brought back too so you know this is obviously a huge benefit to every team i think more so you look at it for the guys that are currently on the roster that are impending free agents more so than you think about outside guys right now um especially in the case of the steelers where there's probably like between the two of us if we went through like we did last week guys that we want back i think there's at least four or five that we can agree on for sure we'd like to have back um and then there's some guys where you're like oh thank god we're finally out of this guy's contract so um <laughs> But yeah, $16 million for every single team across the league in additional, um, especially for the teams that were going to be in the negative. I mean, this is huge. So I don't know how you're looking at this now. I know that you said last week you really hadn't dove into the outside free agents at all. But I mean, this is huge news for everybody in the league. 
Yeah, no, this is great. I think it's good for every single league, not just the NFL, when the salary cap is going up. That's more money for the athletes in general, but that's more money to help your team work around that cap. And I I think for for a team like the Steelers that we were talking about last week, like we like you brought up Larry Ogajobi. Between him and Chris Willemley, we we would like to bring at least one of those back, but we did thought financially like Ogunjobi might get paid elsewhere. Now the Steelers might have the a better opportunity to be able to do that um, in this offseason to be able to bring them both back. Um, and I, I just look at other teams as well besides the Steelers. Like I look at like the Chicago Bears, who already had a hundred million dollars in cap space. They get an extra sixteen <laughs> on top of that. I'm really curious as to see what they're going to do with all that money, um, but. For a team like the Steelers, I'm not sure what the, what it was the Steelers cap space this this off season. Um, uh, stock it, right now, yeah, it it's was, not much right now. the The potential oh, is there to get to like 40 or 50 <laughs> with restructures well, and cuts, but currently for 2023, it's saying it's negative nine million. But I don't think that's been updated yet. Um, there, yeah, I mean, every team is going to create space, um, but especially like in the Steelers case, we just talked about Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, that would get you close in itself to being out of the, the negative. And then you look at like a Kella Witherspoon's deal. Um, you look at Miles um, Jack potentially. You obviously have some restructures that can take place to choose a core for $13 million. Are you paying him that? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there. But um, yeah, certainly interesting. But when you hear a $16 million increase, obviously that's great. Like you just mentioned for the athletes. Um, that's where the money's going. But I think too, this, this is a good reminder to bring up to people. It's like when you see a guy get paid and all of a sudden they shoot to like top five at their position or something like that, that probably lasts like one year. <laughs> Cause yeah. then, you know, the salary caps go up again. Another guy's going to get paid all of a sudden they're in the top five. It's like, I think the best example to look at is probably like a Christian Kirk getting that four year, $84 million deal, you know, 21 million per season, I guess, technically it was more like 17 when you take in consideration, the signing bonuses and stuff, that deal is not going to look that bad in a year or two. Like it's, I mean, he played really well this year anyway, but especially in a year or two, that's going to look like maybe a steal. Um, I'm just looking at William Jackson's cap hit for next year. Is 12.1 million. One. Yeah. That's not happening. They didn't <laughs> see him play no snap. So. It's happening. Yeah. I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the names like William Jackson, twelve point one, Miles Jack, eleven point two five, um, Trubisky, like the ten point six, and then there's some of these other guys that are like justified. Like uh, James Daniels is has an eleven point one million dollar cap hit, but I can't imagine the Steelers without James Daniels next season on the offensive line. Similar with like Mason Cole having nearly a seven million dollar cap hit, but there's a few of them like Akella Witherspoon making nearly or his cap hits five and a half. Next year, um, we still have the, the the two at cap hit as well at four point seven from him retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's there's definitely a few that they can get out of that um, will create the space. But they're not doesn't seem like they're going to have a lot to work with this off season. So that sixteen million is definitely very vital for the Steelers because even once they get out of the red with their cap space, assuming they cut some of these guys, it's they're probably looking at maybe twenty million in cap space. So that sixteen million is definitely going to be a big boost for the Steelers specifically. Um, cap space saved if the following players were to be cut, and this is a pre-June first cut: William Jackson twelve point one seven, Miles Jack eight, Mitch Trubisky eight, Akella Witherspoon four, Gunnar Osheski two, Montrevious Adams two and a half. We'll see you. 
I mean, who on that list are you like that worried about keeping? Miles Jack, I guess, at eight. Miles Jack is the only one that I think is a viable one to actually consider keeping. Um, Just just because I'm looking at the linebackers elsewhere, and it's like, all right, Devin Bush is gone. You're probably bringing back Spillane, but at the same time, if you leave Jack, if you lose Jack and Bush, Spillane automatically becomes your linebacker one. So. Which by the end of the year, regardless of who's here, he would be anyway. So exactly. So I I I feel like out of those guys, Jack is the most likely to stay. But the rest of those guys, I don't really have a a want or a desire to bring them back anyway. Yeah, especially at the numbers. No, absolutely not. Um, I want to ask you how you feel about a statement made by Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth, who appeared on an episode of Footballing with Ben Roethlisberger. What a, did you see that episode or like to see who was on it? It was Kutch, mm-hmm. Pat Fryermuth, and Bob Pompiani. All three were on an episode of Footballing with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, what, a, what a Pittsburgh dream. <laughs> I don't know how they decided, like, <laughs> this is who we're bringing on this episode. But um, so Pat was talking about the Steelers offense and how different it was from diff- like other offenses that he's played in. And he mentioned a little nugget that I think that like we could probably put together anyways, but like we finally got confirmation. There was no hots, like there was no checks within that offense. So that actually makes a lot of sense as to when you look at like, can we, we, we talked about it, like, was Kenny checking out of things? Is Kenny audibling? No. And uh, yeah, there was nothing in the offense for him to do so. And I think it explains honestly to me more than anything else, the issues in the red zone like that, because we talked about that's where things even get more magnified. A lot of the time, like your quarterback wants to get up to the line of scrimmage, see what he sees and maybe go to something else or, you know, be able to, there was a lot of times where Kenny wouldn't have that to dump off to, you know, he wouldn't have that hot to throw to. Well, it's because it wasn't there. It wasn't involved in the offense. So one, I want to know what your thoughts are on it that being the case in Kenny's rookie season, was it just because he was a rookie? Is that the way that Canada operates? And two, is it something one way or the other, what your answer is there that you expect to see next season? Well, I didn't hear the clip from Friar Muth, and I'd have to ask him, I guess myself to get this answer, but the way that we're talking about it makes, makes it sound like to me that that was the entire season, not just when Kenny was the quarterback. And yeah. so if you're not having any checks uh, on the, your offense for Kenny or your what six-year veteran, Mitch Trubisky, I'm wondering why is that the case? What Do you not trust your quarterbacks enough? Because if, if an offensive coordinator doesn't want that with a rookie, they don't want to have that responsibility on the rookie yet, then I, I think that's dumb personally, especially for a four-plus-year starter in, in out of college, Kenny Pickett. Um but I can at least understand that mindset more. The one that I can't understand is why, if that was the case for the first four games that Mitch Trubisky was the starter, why would you have not have any hot calls or checks in that offense either? Um, that that seems very questionable to me. That makes a ton of sense when you look back at the offense, like you were saying, throughout this season. There, there were several times where it's like, why, why did we not change out of this, audible out of this? Um, and, and like you're saying in the red zone, that's when the offense kind of got shut down and it makes sense that Kenny wasn't able to change anything and that was the case. So it, I, it makes me very question as to like why that was the case from Matt Canada um, for the offense as a whole, because to me that sounds like it wasn't just Kenny. It wasn't just a rookie. It was also the six year vet. And to me that just seems like a lack of trust in your quarterback room. 
And that I, I'm wondering why. And to me, that it, that would be another reason, just stacked on many other reasons, <laughs> why that's like a fireball offense for Matt Canada if that was the case, where not even just Kenny Pickett, the rookie, is not allowed to audible out of it, but neither is the six-year veteran. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. So is it something that you expect to see in year two of Canada with Pickett? I really hope so. I, I, I don't see why a reason you did not to. And I, I think you should have seen it in year one. I, I think yeah. you saw the progression I mean, that Kenny had. Maybe not in like the first couple of games as a start, but yeah. as the season went along, you saw Kenny was getting better. And he could, he, that's just become, comes with time as a rookie quarterback. He's able to read the defenses better. I think he should have been able to audible out of that. So year two, you better be able to have that because I think you should have had it in year one. And for the, the reasons I'm saying as well, Kenny was a starter in college for four, four plus years. He also started a game as a true, true freshman. And I feel like he had that experience. I mean, look at what he did his senior year in college. I get it. The NFL defenses are a lot more complex and a lot faster than college. But at the same time, you develop those habits of reading the defenses and being able to make play calls out of that and, and going from there. I feel like Kenny showed down the stretch, especially towards like the last like six, seven games, that he was able to do that and was was reading defense better and making those better decisions. It makes absolutely no sense to me why he wasn't allowed to make those calls. And if he does it in year two, then that's even more reason why he should have been fired this offseason, even though he's not going to be. Yeah, I can't imagine that we continue to see that as part of the offense. Uh, the quotes uh, itself was, it's so different because we didn't have hots. It was almost too slow at first because you weren't anticipating. So Ben asked like what the difference was with the offense going from Ben to, to Mitch and Kenny. And there was times like you would see it all the time on camera. Like Ben would go up. He could tell there was going to be a blitz. So he needed a hot. They'd point to his helmet. You know, Deontay would be the hot run like a little like 12 yard route that's where the ball's going um obviously that wasn't part of the offense this year i just i can't imagine that that's supposed to be part of the offense i think the whole idea was trying to simplify things that much for the quarterback room but that is that's awful i mean mitch is a six-year veteran and kenny played so much football in a pro style offense it's not like he was a raw guy. Like I, this isn't shade being thrown at Malik Willis or like Trey Lance when he came out, but that's not the type of prospect Kenny was. Like I, I think that Kenny would have been able to handle himself also having that on his plate. And um, now I can see why, even with what we saw down the stretch, Kenny continued to talk about following the season about taking ownership of the offense. Like this to me is like the missing piece. So hopefully we see it next season because yeah, that's absolutely just one more thing to, to add on to where we've been at with Matt Canada. Yeah, that's an absolute joke. I I, I can't believe that's the way that, that it was. Mm -hmm. it, and it makes so much sense watching the offense now. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to beat, you know, a blitz. It, you got to have that. And if you don't, I mean, we saw Kenny take a lot of hits where he's getting the ball out late. I, I'm not going to blame it completely on this, but, you know, maybe he avoids a concussion if he has the ability there who knows yeah maybe it, it, and honestly we're talking about kenny so much it's a bit and we both touched on it though it's a bigger question to me like why couldn't mitch do it yeah you started the season with mitch like in an ideal scenario are we even supposed to see kenny this year so you were going to have a six-year veteran and mitch trubisky also not have that ability at the line of scrimmage yeah i don't know that makes absolutely no sense
Yeah. Also, I said that, but now I'm thinking back to some other stuff that Art Rooney said. Hearing him talk, I keep saying Art Rooney the second. I like, but um, talking to Missy Matthews, he also said like he feels like, and, and again, he's not the coach or anything like that. He felt like the plan was to see Kenny at some point this year, regardless. As far as it happening at halftime at the Jets game, not necessarily, but he thought at some point this year he would take over. You're right. It should have started at the the first snap of the Jets game. <laughs> Um, all right, let's move on and talk about uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, only a couple games to talk about since our last recording. A shootout loss to the Capitals and a loss to the Sharks. And the Sharks one is the one that really gets me. You're talking about a team pretty much actively tanking this year, about to trade away their best player in Eric Carlson, um, who was coming off playing the previous night. A horrible hockey team. They lose 6-4 to them. And again, I'm not trying to pile on blame here, but a lot of that game was played in the Sharks zone, the Penguins put up 40 shots, again, scored four goals. It's it's a Casey to Smith thing, again, for me. I, I Listen, I think that there's a lot of other issues with this team as well. But when it's literally every single night that you got to score five goals plus to win a hockey game, it's just, it's not, it's not feasible. Like, the Penguins should not be where, where they are at right now, even with as bad as they've looked up front, if they even get average goaltending most nights. Yeah, I don't know why he started both of the games. We we talked about on last week's show whether we thought Tokarski could get a start in one of these two games before the break. I thought that they would go to him in the Capitals game. Clearly they didn't. They lost in the shootout. Um, and then after that game, I thought for sure he would start in the Sharks game. It makes no sense well, to me. Well, do you think him his wife had a baby? Like so he was getting to the game like relative like he wasn't part of the state that morning on Saturday. Do you think that might have played a I'm, role. I'm sure it did for Mike Sullivan. It wouldn't ha- have in my my eyes. Like as long as you knew he was going to be there in time, he, I would have yeah. had him be the starter. Because yeah. I mean, a, a cold Dustin Tokarski. How much worse can that be than a hot Casey DeSmith right now? <laughs> I, I I just there's there's not much of a difference, honestly. Maybe even a little bit better. Casey DeSmith. The problem right now is obviously the team at times plays really poorly in front of them, especially in front of the, like right in the crease in front of the net, the penguins are really weak in that area of the ice. They, they, they get bullied around in front of their own net and they don't clear it out. And that leads to a lot of goals. I'll give the goalies the benefit of doubt on that end, but at the same time, these goalies specifically Casey to Smith right now are not giving you saves when you need them, especially what, what seems like kind of more like what would be routine saves. You're just not getting those and it's kind of killing the team. Um, And obviously it's not to this extreme, but it's kind of like Jari in 2021 against the Islanders. You weren't getting any saves. So you kind of had to outscore everybody that you're going to get. Obviously it's not that bad, but DeSmith right now as the starter is not giving you saves when you need them, even when the team is playing okay in front of you. It, it, not The team is not the only part that is bad. It's Casey DeSmith as well. And at times, whenever the team is playing well, he just lets up easy goals, very soft goals. I mean, we, this one wasn't this past week, but it was the one – which team was it against? Where he came out for the poke and – and it just got poked past him. Was that against uh, Florida? Uh, Florida. That, that was it. Yeah, that, that goal I think was, it was awful. For Haiti. Yeah, and it, that's not even like a you should have made the save. That's a what the hell are you doing? I, I don't know what that decision process is. 
Um, so I don't know if like Tasty to Smith is just in his own head. I mean, we talked about this with Matt Murray and Tristan Jari. I mean, I don't know if if Casey Smith is in his own head, maybe if he's just in a slump right now or what, but he's playing awful. And I see no reason to and hopefully Jari's back. I mean, Jari is expected to be back after the all-star break. And so next Tuesday yeah. he should be back. Um, but hopefully we see that if we don't, I would love to give Tarkarski a shot um, as the starter as the first game out of the All-Star break because I see no reason why Sullivan should put Casey DeSmith back out there because right now it's not even just like he's keeping you in a game. He's losing you games when even whenever the Penguins are playing better than the other team across from them. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. It, it's tough because it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like Not that he ha- he can't have much confidence going out there right now. Um, but at the same time, like, how do you break that? Like, you probably need him to have a really good performance, but do you trust him to keep throwing him out there? So I don't know. I mean, I've always said it. It just seems like going back to, you know, the cup runs and stuff like that. The Penguins are obviously going to be at their best when both goalies are playing well, but even the goalies, it's almost like there's a competition within the goalies as well. Like when one plays really well, the other one steps their game up. Like they're kind of fighting for that crease, that healthy competition. Man, right now, nobody wants to take the net. Tristan Jari, because of injury, Casey DeSmith doesn't want the net, and Tukarski doesn't have an Dustin opportunity. Tukarski. Yeah. Dustin Car- Tukarski, I don't know if that played into Mike Sullivan's role, uh, decision to not start Tukarski on Saturday. I really don't know. I don't know if the plan was going to be for him to play, and then, you know, obviously he had to be there for the birth of his child and then got to Honestly, the game in time but wasn't around for the morning skate. I don't know. Honestly, I feel like it, it maybe it played into it, but I feel like the Smith would have been the starter anyway because he had a shootout loss performance in Washington on Thursday night. So I think Sullivan could look at that and be like, okay, well, that wasn't that bad. So we can give him another start. And then he let up six goals to the Sharks. Yeah. I will say, I don't think he was that bad again. I, I thought he was pretty solid against the Capitals. But even it's like games where he plays okay, there's so many things to question just from like a positional standpoint. I don't know why he likes to go so wide in his crease. It seems like he wants to spend the least amount of time in his own crease as possible. Um, like regardless, like if he's cutting down an angle, it's so far to the right or so far to the left. Um, he just looked very odd. It's very, um, what's the word, unorthodox, his style. Um, and sometimes, you know, we've seen it in the past be effective, but he has been very far from a league average goaltender this season. And, um, it's rearing its ugly head when he has to be the guy with Tristan Jari on the shelf. And we talked about it last week. It's just, it's tough because they don't have another option, you know, coming up the pipeline immediately. Tristan Jari is so good when he is healthy but they've kind of got burned by him in one way or another since 2021 to his own yeah. fault or not. Yeah. And it, this, this might be wrong. Uh, this is just my opinion. I think goalie needs to be the number one target of the trade deadline. Um, whether that, that you're getting a starter or you're getting a backup to Tristan Jari, I think you need to add one because not only can you trust your backups from Tristan Jari right now, but you can't even trust Tristan Jari just from a health standpoint. So you need somebody to be that insurance policy if Ron Hextall and Mike Sullivan and the rest of the team expect to at least make a push for the playoffs and and try to get in there. Um, Right now, they're still currently in a playoff spot, but they're playing Mm -hmm. in a way that they're going to fall out of a playoff spot soon and they could keep digging a hole if they don't play better. 
So, and it's specifically at the goaltender position. I think they need to add one. This is the first time in a while that I think thought they needed to add a goalie at the trade deadline. But yeah. to me, that is the clear, uh, obviously there's players at other positions that are playing poorly, but that is the clear position as a whole that is playing the worst on the Penguins right now. And again, it's the absence of Tristan Jari in net right now, but with the health of Tristan Jari, you never know what's going to happen. So you need to add somebody that can at least give you close to what Jari could be, or at least give you a serviceable effort in those games to give you a chance to win the game. Cause you're not getting that from, well, Casey DeSmith. I don't know if you're going to get that from Dustin Tokarski because we're being refused to see him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out here who would even, oh, actually this article is about the Penguins. You know, people like are either going to listen to this or they've seen already. I'm sure that somehow I've just avoided it. But you know, Mark Andre Fleury's name's going to be brought up. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, oh, man, you know what's funny? Oh, this is actually from one of our boys, Nick Horwat from uh, Inside the Penguins. Oh yeah, I'm reading an article. Yeah, talking about uh, like should the Penguins dip their feet into the? Actually, Elliot Friedman was on the the Jeff Merritt show and talked about it. Like the idea of the penguins maybe going after a goalie. He said he hasn't necessarily heard that yet, but um, he wouldn't be surprised if they jumped on that. I'm just going to throw this out there while you're looking right now. Yeah. Uh, Flurry is not going to be a penguin this season. I'm not going to say he, he's not in their future plans for, for a, a goaltender position, but the wild are in a position where, why would they move on from their starting goaltender? They're currently in a playoff spot. If they stay in that playoff spot, I see no reason why they would move on from him because their backup is, uh, isn't it? Oh, who's the dude that used to play in Edmonton? That that I'm pretty sure that's their backup. Um, I can't think of his name. That's gonna bother me. Um, wild goalies. Oh, it's Philip Gustafson. Never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew he was there. I didn't know if that former Penguin prospect, Philip yeah, Gustafson. Derek Broussard trade. <laughs> Man, um, let me throw some names at you that are in this article. By the way, Mark Andre Fleury absolutely is one of them. Uh, Braden Holpe, Junis Corposalo, uh, Semyon Varlamov, and hmm, Alex Georgiev. Um. Well, what's funny is three of those teams are in the Metro. <laughs> yeah, what's the likelihood of that happening? Right. Um, we should pull off a blockbuster with Columbus, though, for uh, Ross Levick, Corpusalo, and um, who's the defenseman that the Penguins apparently have been linked to for them? Ah, dang it gonna bother me i don't know brayden holtby i mean he's oh, got a ladislav gavrikov brayden holtby's got a 915 save percentage right now okay not terrible i think casey Smith i was thinking of cam talbot by the way that's the name i was thinking of oh man okay no he's the starter in ottawa yeah yeah I, I was thinking, wasn't he in, in Minnesota last year with yep. Flurry? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Wait, did they did they swap goalies? Did they trade Gustafson for Cam Talbot? Because wasn't Gustafson Ooh. in Ottawa? Yeah, he was. Uh, they might have. I, di- I, I didn't realize that he was part of that trade, but if <laughs> if he's there, that very well could have been the case. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind some of those guys. I, I think those are, those are... I mean, th- those names have a lot of starts in the NHL, which is something that is appealing to me. Um, as long as they're performing at a better level than Casey Smith, I would be fine adding any of those guys because I think at the worst you're getting a better backup than DeSmith or Tukarski. And at the best, if Jari's health, uh, not healthy, you have a pseudo starter coming to the Penguins. And that's something that I think you really need to to really bank on because I just don't mm-hmm. think that you you can really like, – like I said it whenever we posted the show last week, the Penguins have a goalie problem. Like that, that is their problem. We could talk about their bottom six. We could talk about their defense at time or some of their defensive players. But at the entire position, the Penguins have a goalie problem, not even just for this season. Looking at next season as well, you have to pay Casey to Smith. He's still under contract. And Tristan Jari, what do you do with his contract? Do you re sign him? Do you let him walk? There, there's a lot of decisions making. So for the remainder of this season and the season going into next season, you have a goalie problem if you're the Penguins. And former goalie Ron Hextall, like I said last week, I don't even know if he's going to be the one to make the decision. Honestly, I'm, I'm getting to the point where... Are we like, even sure I, he's the GM? <laughs> I, I, I like this, He's in this hiding. Whole time, I this whole time that I've, I've thought Brian Burke is the actual GM, not Ron Hextall. Brian Burke, apparently, I, I, I don't know if it was Danny that put this out or what. It was somebody that covers the team. He was fuming after that loss to the Sharks. He was, like, outside the locker room. You could tell he was pretty hot. But, like, Ron Hextall, where's he at? Nowhere to be seen. What's going on? Yeah, and anything that's public that's said outside of some very rare press conferences from Ron Hextall, which I get it. That's not really his style, and we're so used to Jim Rutherford over the past half decade that – we, we, we expect a guy like a Brian Burke that, to, that makes those like comments all the time as a GM, and we just don't have that. So I, I don't doubt that Ron Hextall is looking at this team and trying to see in areas that he can improve. It's just he's so secretive and keeps everything close to the vest that I don't even have a read on what this guy's thinking, like if he needs to even tinker with the team. Because if we had Jim Rutherford still, I we would already know who they're trading for. We'd know what we're oh, giving up. They and would, they, they would have, have done trigger on something already. Yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, some Dumoulin probably would have been bought out and we'd have him on the cap for uh, so many <laughs> years. Um, but I, I, I don't know. We might've been the team that traded for Horvat. We might've been the team that traded for Horvat. Um, instead he's on the flip side of that deal. Cause isn't, isn't he man in Vancouver? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Hextall, he has a goalie problem, but he also has a problem because this team currently in a playoff position, but they're slowly creeping out of that spot. They, they're they getting to the point where it, it's kind of like put up or shut up time for the Penguins because they, they need to find some consistency moving forward. I think uh, getting a solid goaltender like Case or not Casey Smith, he's not a solid goaltender, Tristan Jari back after the, the all-star break would definitely help this team. And then if that's if he stays healthy and they start playing well in net, then you have other areas to worry about because we've been talking about goalie a lot. There's still other areas in the forward group and in the defensemen that Dude, that still third need line work is atrocious. 
The third line's awful. Brian Dumoulin I've, I've liked the play awful. of the fourth line recently, though. I, I liked what I've seen from Paling, Drew O'Connor, and Heinen together lately. But you're also going to be getting Josh Archibald back, who was playing really well before the injury, which I would say, you know, maybe at one point I'm saying Danton Heinen's the guy coming out of the lineup. It, it might be, I think it's Drew O'Connor right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think so too. Um, and f- for the reason being, some of these guys just can't come out of the lineup. Like, you know, like a Brock McGinn or a Jeff Carter, like they're not going to come yeah. out of the lineup, even though that, that, that third, has to be the worst that third line, line right now. Like, it, it, it's awful. Um, and, and, and like, like I said, like that line is awful. And then you have Dumlin just continuing to pull down everything defensively whenever he's on the ice. It, it, it's like every night you can bank on him making a dumb mistake that leads to a goal or at least a high danger scoring chance. Mm-hmm. And, and so th- this team definitely has its issues. Um, but they've also shown at times that they can play through those issues and, and be a really decent hockey team when they need to be. They just haven't had that consistency. So I don't know what gets them there. Maybe a solid goalie does. Um, but I, I think Ron Hextall has his work at, put out for him. And this is probably going to make or break his career at, with the Pittsburgh Penguins because, it. I mean, if they definitely miss the playoffs, um, he's going to be fired. But even if they make the playoffs and they look awful, I, I, I think that there's a chance that he could still be let go just based off of like his recent performances when it comes to contract negotiations and trades and who he's signing. It, it hasn't been that impressive for me. Um, I mean, looking at some of these guys like that, that captain who has been a healthy scratch or, or was, or was a healthy scratch and now he's injured, but um, the 3.25 over two years, I mean, signing Casey to Smith for two years, there's there's a lot of questionable Brock McGinn, contracts. For, Brock McGinn, Jeff for Carter's extension. Jeff Carter. Obviously, the trade for the trade for Carter was great. I mean, that worked out. Yeah. But you know, they didn't have to extend him. I, I think it was pretty clear that Jeff Carter was in a downward trajectory at that point. So you know, thank him for his time here. He was very productive for that season and a half. There was no need to extend him to two more years. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. I like I said. I I think if the Penguins miss, I think he's for sure gone. Um, is that like be- a, a Matt Canada guarantee? Yeah, yeah. That's my Matt Canada guarantee. I just, I just think so I know what the it, clip's going to be for the teaser for the show. That's great. If, if they miss the playoffs, there's no <laughs> excuse for, from this ownership group to keep him around. What honestly n- name things he's done that's impressive uh, outside of keeping the core together? What yeah. what what is well, what has been you- really impressive? Yeah, so I, I I guess because I don't know if you would consider him part of the core yet, like the Raquel deal. Not just I I think the trade was good in itself, but then the <laughs> extension too, which I questioned the extension at first, but I think he no he he's is, been really solid. Yeah, I think yeah. that 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 trade will be good for or that extension will be good for at least like three of the five years. Yeah. The last two years questionable, but you we'll know, see. In the another future. deal that's not brought up enough, I think, in a negative light because like he's been okay, he's hurt right now, but Jan Ruda. I mean, you're paying him, what, $3 million to be your third pairing right-handed defenseman when you had, like, other options that could be. You mentioned Brian Dumoulin, how bad he's been. Yeah, you had Ruedel, but you also, like, how bad Brian Dumoulin's been. The only time that he had really looked, like, serviceable was playing next to who? Ty Smith, who can't play because you got guys like Jan Ruda up here. Yeah, I I thought Ruda was fine to start the year, Um, but... 
I still don't mind him as a player. Like I I don't have an issue with him being the third pairing right-handed defenseman, but he's making $3 million to do that. Like, I just think he's another, you know, run of the mill, that type of player that there was no need to go and get. Yeah. But then that's the thing outside of what he did this past off season with keeping Latang and keeping Malkin. And then even the the Raquel and rust extensions, which even the the rust rust one is right now. Uh, it's kind of sus. It's, it's, a, it's a little <laughs> sus. Um, but outside of that... You might have to call an what, emergency meeting in question. That's where we're yeah, at with it right now. Like, wh- like, what's he done? Honestly, I want I want people to answer that. Like, what is the reasoning why you would keep Hextall around? Because to me, he's done really nothing that has vastly improved this hockey team from the team that he took over when Rutherford left. The card, Yeah, the Carter trade and Raquel, to me. I, I yeah. think in the Gino and Latang ones, like I don't, I don't think the G, I, I, I don't even know how to word this, but like the GM didn't matter. Like their loyalty to Pittsburgh is the only reason that could have got done. It could have been any GM that was here that would have gotten those deals done. Yeah. So like just fortunate enough that he was the guy basically in that scenario. I don't know if that's you know crass of me to say completely absolve him of any, um, you know, goodwill with those deals. But I, I really don't think it would have mattered who the GM was for getting those deals done for those two. Probably not. I mean, as long as you said agreed on the term, I felt like those were getting done. Um, Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the Penguins look like after this All-Star break. Um, they, they've, got, they've got a lot of work cut out for them. I mean, they have a month-ish uh, until the trade deadline. So we'll see what, what changes over the next few weeks with the penguins. Um, yeah, but I want to start getting some with that being that that's the case. And like that times just start ramping up. Uh, I would like to get, you know, Danny, uh, maybe Hunter, some like, you know, penguins people on here in the near yeah. future to talk about this team. Cause we haven't had anybody on to like talk about the penguins really. So, yeah. And I, I just don't know that I've the last time that I've been, at this point in the season, like end of January, it's January 31st recording this. Mm-hmm. We're going into February, and I feel this unconfident about the Penguins. Yeah, this is the first time where I think it's like, is this team going to make the playoffs in the Crosby, Gino, Latang era? Yeah, because even like Sullivan's first year, by mid-January, end of January, he had righted the ship, and we were rolling. And we rolled Yeah, I still feel Stanley like Cup. even at that point, even at that point, it's like the Penguins might, even if we felt like they weren't going to go on that run, right? Like you just felt like the, Sid is going to will, Sid, Gino, they're going to will this team to the very least a playoff spot. Now, will they do any damage in the playoffs? We don't know. But even like the years where they weren't a very good team, you know, 14, 15, like even the, the one, there was the never very a last day. The very last day of the, the game of the season, uh, when Brandon Sutter scored two goals and got them into the playoffs, like that was the closest they've been to not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But they still, not a very good team, was always finding a way to do so. This year, will that be the case again? I, I think, unless something changes in net, no. Yeah, that's that's the problem. What I'm looking at real quick. I mean, they got what, one point on the Sabres. I know they have the Sabres have three more games played, but they're coming. The Islanders just made the big trade that we're talking about. Like, there's very little room here for them to have these types of stretches they've had. So, over the last five games, I'm just looking this up because you mentioned their names. 
So mm-hmm. Malkin has six points in his last five games, and Crosby has eight points in his last five games. I, I mean, these guys are going to try to get this team into the playoffs. I just think they have a sinking ship in net behind them right now. That, and that's that, it, that, that's what's what? killing them is because they can will them all they want, but as long as you have a goalie that's not going to make the saves for you, you don't. it doesn't matter how much you score you're going to give up those goals. That's why it reminds me of that 2021 series against the Islanders. It didn't matter if this, the Penguins put up four or five goals. They were going to lose the game because they couldn't get saves when they needed them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, And you shouldn't have to rely on these guys the way that they still do at their ages. I mean, I know that they're you know paid to be the best players on the team and stuff like that, and their resumes speak for themselves. They don't need you know any acknowledgement from me. but. I just some of that burden should have been taken off. And especially when you talk about the money that was left on the table by Gino and Latang in their deals to make this work. I just it, it's so frustrating to look at the way that this roster was constructed. Yep. So currently they sit in uh they sit in the wild card spot. Um along with yep. the Capitals, but they are two points ahead of the Island or two points ahead of the Islanders. They do have three games in hand. Um, and then they are one point ahead of the Sabres and they have the same amount of games played the Panthers. They've got three point three points ahead of the Panthers with three games in hand. So they're in an okay spot in some of these scenarios, but it's, it's still not looking good whenever you're the second wild card. I mean, yeah, and, it's getting worse by the day. Whether you're what do we make the playoffs? That's the thing. Okay, say that everything just stays as is, right? We get the second wild card. Oh, that's awesome. We did a meeting with the Boston Bruins in round one. We got to beat them four times when they've lost like what four games all year. I mean, <laughs> I know that they've lost more than four, but serious. What is it like eight? They've they've lost seven in regulation. I remember yeah. we, I was playing video games with Quentin like a week or two ago, and he said that. And I was like, are you serious? Like At that point, they had only lost like four or five games in regulation. And I was like, I had no idea that mm-hmm. I wasn't even paying attention that much that Boston was doing that. Well. I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about it enough. I mean, that's ridiculous. We're at the, uh, we're at the all-star they're break. At, they're at 81 points and they're at the all-star or at the all-star break. Put yeah. that in the perspective. The Penguins are at 57 points. First year with a new head coach too. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're clicking. Um, right now, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. But all this to say, even health aside, you know, if these guys get healthy, maybe this is, you know, a playoff team. But I think that we're just looking at them a lot differently. It's pretty clear that health isn't the only issue that the Penguins have. And um, one of the reasons I'm not willing to let, like, the cap situation be a crutch for people that want it to be for Ron Hextall is he created this situation, a lot of it. He created the bad cap situation that the Penguins have by handing out these deals. So I just don't know how you can use that as a crutch for the guy. You can't. You can't. It, it, it is definitely part. He is part of the fault that, that goes with this. I mean, just obviously he didn't trade for Jason Zucker, so I'm not going to blame him there. But looking at what, I mean, w- listen, we love Brian Russ, but looking at that deal right now, it, that's starting to look like a not so great deal, especially in the long term for the Penguins. But the the Jeff Carter extension making three point one two five million dollars 
Um, that that's a bad deal. Brock McGinn making 2.75 for the production you get from him is awful. Um, and, and then you have, like you said, Jan Ruda is making 2.75 million and you have Casper Kapanen who right now is on IR, but that's still against the cap at 3.2 million over, not just this year, but next year as well, in case you Mm -hmm. forgot about that. So I, I, I think that he is just as much to blame, um, for what the situation is for the Penguins as anybody else. And going into the, I, I get it. The cap is going to be hard, but you kind of put yourself into the situation and you got to figure it out. You're definitely going to need to move some cap around if you want to improve this team because they are cap strapped. And, and so they need to move around the money in order to bring in some money. But I just, I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to have to make no idea. probably some quote unquote hockey trades, some, some like even trades. Maybe we finally get that cap and trade that we've all been dreaming of just a straight up NHL trade player for player yeah but um, like that's the thing is like i don't view these guys that they would need to get rid of as assets like you need to give something to get something and i just don't think the penguins have that something to give no and that's the thing that i think a lot of people don't remember is like when you want to get rid of a captain you want to get rid of a jeff carter a brian dumlin a brock mcginn you have to have some value there otherwise you end up in a scenario where you're giving away who was the dude that we traded for with we got him from Chicago and we traded him from to Buffalo. Dominic uh, Cahoon. Dominic Cahoon. You end up in a scenario like that where I thought Dominic Cahoon was a fine player, but the Penguins needed cap, and so they literally traded him for nothing. I think they traded him for a seventh round pick or a conditional seventh round pick. It was no, literally Cahoon for nothing. was part of the when he went to Buffalo, it was for Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez. Oh, was it? Yeah. Who did we trade for nothing? Um, Jared McCann. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Seventh round pick in Hollander. Um, I'm not sure which one you're referring to, though. I feel like I thought it was like a couple of years ago. We traded somebody for nothing just to move up from cap space. Hmm. I, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Yeah, we'd have to go through Penguins trade history, and it, that might take a while if it was a few seasons ago. But, um. At Tyler's request, please drop in the comments your favorite moves of the Ron Hextall era so far and let us know how you feel he's done as the Pittsburgh Penguins GM. We will be looking forward to reading some of, the, some of those. Uh, if you add some humor to it, we might read some of them on the next episode. So um, anything else? Uh, no. Just Tristan Jari, get healthy, come back, and please help this team because – yeah it's basically like oh. princess leia in star wars help me tristan jari you're my only hope welcome back tristan jari you get to face the colorado avalanche tonight that's <laughs> going to be his welcome back which i mean colorado hasn't necessarily been great this year for whatever reason but you know i think still a very daunting team and i think they're going to figure it out so yeah uh but other than that uh for smitty for tyler as he mentioned at the beginning of the episode we will have the isla keen fun down there we will have DeMar Hamlet's Chasing M's Foundation info down there. We will have the Pittsburgh Clothing Company DeMar Hamlin shirt down there in the description. That's going to be wherever you are watching or listening to this. Uh, if you aren't already, please subscribe to the channel. Leave us a like. Hit that notification bell. It will let you know when we upload a new episode, part of an episode. If we're going to be doing some mock draft stuff, any content that is uploaded to the YouTube, you guys will get. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Like us on Facebook for whatever reason if you want to do that too. Um, leave us a five-star review if you're listening to us somewhere other than YouTube. And uh, other than that, 
Smitty for Tyler. We will talk to you guys next week after Tristan Jari comes back and shuts out the Avalanche. Till then, bye-bye.